Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing If Wishes Were Earls by Elizabeth Boyle. This was published in 2013 and is the third book in the Rhymes with Love series. And we have reviewed the first two and a half in the series. <laughs> so if you want to catch up on the series, you can check those episodes out. So the first three books are all about the Selden family duke and his two siblings getting married off. But two of the three siblings marry two of three of a group of friends. Yes. And so this book is about the third friend in that trio finally finding her match. And it was played up through the first two books. These characters have both been background characters, and it's been very clear they've had the hots for each other for a while. And I mean, I have to tell you, I was really excited to read their book. I was like, yes, Harry and Roxley are finally going to get together. I mean, they couldn't not get together. And Boyle did a great job in the first two books of making you want to read their story. Yep. And I think we were both a little bit disappointed mm -hmm. just to pre pre uh, give a preview of where we're going. But to me, it almost got into the so insanely not skeptical that I, I had fun with it anyway. <laughs> there were some weird, there were some weird parts. I will say the romance was not the main attraction to this book. Which is a surprise because I was so into, I really wanted to read their love story. Yes. And I think it's also surprising because Boyle usually goes really heavy on the main characters in a way she didn't hear, which was kind of odd. Agreed. Alrighty. So the book jacket. When you wish upon an earl, Harriet Hathaway has only ever wanted one man, the Earl of Roxley. After a passionate interlude at a house party, Harry is convinced Roxley will do the right thing and propose. But when she returns to London, she finds the roguish Earl on the verge of proposing to another. Yet Harriet refuses to believe that her hopes of a happily ever after are completely lost, for she can still see the desire still flickering in the Earl's eyes when he looks at her from across the dance floor. And when they are alone... There is one wish neither can deny. The most extraordinary things can happen. The Earl of Roxley is in a dangerous fix. And to keep Harriet safe, he must hold her at arm's length. He won't entangle her in the murderous mystery that is threatening to destroy his family and his future. But keeping Harriet Hathaway out of his troubles proves as impossible as it is to keep the determined beauty from stealing his heart. That last sentence was a tongue twister. <laughs> Sorry, I was... <laughs> I'm sure Lane cut out where I fumbled it. But yeah, I was like, wait, what is this sentence saying? It's one of those, this is to this, as that is to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it gets a little confusing when you try to write it up. Um, so... The first two paragraphs are accurate from Harry's perspective. Yes. Like, that is what she encounters. The Earl situation is just so vague and weird that I don't even know that I can say the jacket did a bad job because I don't know that the book did a good one. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this, I, I honestly don't have very many issues with this book jacket because it's basically, it is basically the story. It's just the story itself is really weird. Yeah, and weird is the right word. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very it's very the construction is weird. The story itself is weird. The the, the it's very odd. Yeah. Uh, so, what was your random number summary, Meg? Well, we had seventeen words to work with this week, Lane. So my summary was two books in. Roxley's finally hot for Harry. So why is he practically engaged to someone else? So you echoed the jacket pretty closely. Basically, yeah. Also, I could, like, what the heck am I reading? Yes, correct. All right, so mine. If you ruin a lady in gardens twice, you'll be blackmailed for your dead dad's lost winnings? (laughs) I mean, also uh, accurate, I guess. The whole thing was so weird. I mean, also, spoiler warning, I guess. <laughs> no, I mean, that's, that happens early. He figures out that what this person is probably after is the diamonds, like, in the first quarter of the book. Right, but he doesn't figure out that it's related to Harry, to Harriet, for a while. I'm not even convinced it was related to Harriet. I know it was, <laughs> but I'm sorry. I, that did not work for me. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let me, before we even get into the tropes, and I know I don't usually do this, but I just want to like set the ground, like the spoiler free groundwork, and then we will have to have a post spoiler tags setting for this book. So Harry and Roxley have been going at it, flirting like clearly into each other since the first book. You find out in the prologue of this book that they hook up at a garden at a party in the garden. They hook up, they hook up at Tabitha's wedding. Yeah. 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 And that that was their second hookup in a garden at a party. Yes. And so she leaves that thinking they're going to get engaged. On the indeterminate timing as to why this somehow affected how he treated Harry. But around the same time, Roxley starts getting into a series of really bad fortunes. Yeah, he loses a lot of debt, a lot of bets, and then someone has bought up all of his IOUs. But this all happens over the course of like eight months. Right. So specifically why this prevents him from talking to Harry or making his intentions known, sort of unclear. Well, I mean, the reason is because this is a romance novel and men never explain themselves in romance novels. But it's not just explaining himself. Like, he ruined her in the garden. Mm -hmm. He should have, yeah, he should have proposed, like, that night. Well, like, and he doesn't even follow up with her and be like, are you pregnant? He doesn't follow up. Like, even the baseline, like, what we've come to expect a romance novel hero has to do, to be honest. Like, he just doesn't fucking do. He ghosts her for eight months for reasons that are somehow tied to the fact that he's now poor. Yes. And so, basically, the person who's bought up all his debt has decided that in exchange for not making him and his earldom completely bankrupt, he needs to marry his daughter. Right. So that's the girl that he's swanning around with. This person he's being blackmailed into marrying so he doesn't lose everything. But 
he's like, okay, this is really suspicious that like all this bad stuff that could ruin me happened at once. Yeah. What is going on? Why is this happening? And so the book is really an investigation into that question. Right. With Harry trying to either insert herself into helping to solve the mystery or just break up his ill-fated engagement. Or, or both. Or both. It depends on the moment in the text. Yeah. So we will discuss the specifics of that mystery after the spoiler tags later on. But I just want to see it like, it took a while for me to even read through, okay, that's the structure. Because the details are so batshit. Yes. So batshit. Like, there are so many B and C characters. So many. And they're all dating? It's very weird. It's very (laughs) weird. It's very, it is. It's very weird. This is a, yes. The thing is, I, I do feel like this book could have been a major winner. If it had been... I think constructed a little differently. I honestly think it's the construction of the novel that got me. I think it's the construction and the overall. How do I put this? Like the mystery doesn't make sense. Right. So like I needed it one to be structured differently. And I know exactly what you mean by that. I think you're right. But I needed the ultimate answer to be more satisfying. Yeah, I, I'm wondering, I don't know if that would have, fixing the structure would have helped the mystery as well. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. The mystery is very um, nonsensical. Yeah. So within that structure and like us getting all of that out there, the number one trope here is definitely childhood friends to lovers. Yes. And that may be one of the biggest issues I had with the book is that you don't get them falling in love. They just have been in love basically forever. So the the book opens with them with like a sex scene basically with a with a foreplay scene. And yes, if you've read the first two books, you get this feeling that they've been sort of in each other's orbit and that's really nice, but you don't get like you hear childhood friends to lovers and you imagine one thing you imagine like, oh, we're friends. And then one day, oh, wait a minute. I don't feel like a friend anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> that doesn't yeah. happen in this book. There are a lot of flashbacks in this book or not flashbacks, stories told. It's not like narrative flashbacks where 15 years earlier or whatever, but different characters reminisce about different parts of their growing up throughout the text. And it's always till they met when he was 11 and she was seven. Mm-hmm. And it's the flashbacks or the, the discussions are always about the period of time sort of immediately surrounding that meet cute. Right. You don't get any of the like how they were with one another as teenagers or young adults or how they communicated as adults. Right. Like it, it really was missing some meat in the middle. It was missing the love story. It went from yeah. friends to they're already in love. So we, right. we missed the falling in love part. And it was pretty much presented as a little Harry Hathaway showed up one day with boobs. They don't say that, but like that's the implication. And it was all over for him from the second she looked like a woman. Yeah. And there's just not much there. Right. But, okay, second trope. Which, again, you would think that this is right up our alley, is there are lots of spies. Okay. But 
his spying isn't really talked about. No. I think that's one of, like, the me-specific complaints. This isn't a real complaint about the book. But, like, you find out he's employed by the home office. He doesn't talk about the type of work he does. You don't know if he's a desk clerk or a field agent. You don't know. Like, you just know he works for the home office, but he right now isn't because of his personal circumstances. Right. Like, but if you're going to build to be a he's a spy. Yeah. Like, you need to explain to me what he does. Yes. It also turns out that, like, base, like half of the other characters in the books are also spies. And for the Harry, it's basically a spy. Yes, Harry becomes a spy. It's the whole thing. Anyway. So, eh, it's... It, spies is usually my go-to, mm-hmm. but I do need to feel like you're in danger or you're risking your life for king and country or, like, the, the what makes spying hot is the putting yourself in peril to do the right thing, but outside of, like, the corrupt institutions. Right, <laughs> yeah. Even, and, yeah. Well, yes, uh-huh. We got none of those layers here. Right. And then there's a there's a blackmail trope, but it's also specifically blackmailing the nobleman into marrying a, the daughter. I feel like we've seen this. We've definitely seen this. This is in one of the Sarah McLean Rules of Scoundrels yep. books. Yep. And I know we've seen it in other books as well. So I feel like this specific blackmail plot happens a lot. Yeah, it's interesting that he never considers um, just marrying a rich heiress and paying him off separately. Like, marrying someone with enough money that he could just pay the debt. There's a lot of things that aren't thought about. Yeah, well, I mean, so the thing that's interesting about Roxley is for for a guy, so Roxley is supposed to be playing the town clown. Yeah. Basically. But he's really kind of spying on people in the town. Yeah. You don't actually know that. We don't, we don't really know, but I'm assuming... You know, he yeah. thinks it's advantageous to play a buffoon. How that helps his work, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, I'm, obvi- I'm also making connections to another book that's, like, way better. So, but anyway. I'm assuming that he's, he's like, the, the high society spy. So he has, been, he has infiltrated high society by playing a buffoon. Of course, again, as Lane says, this is not actually written in the text. Right. Also, I want to state, like, he made all... His dad was a gambler. He comes from, like, the family that always marries for love, but also money, which is a fun twist on it, I guess. Yeah. Um, and, but his family for generations has sort of been living b- by their winnings. Right. And he follows that mold. So, one, a spy with a gambling problem seems like a liability. <laughs> Two... The fact a spy whose whole point is to infiltrate the high society who wagers enough that it could make him destitute. Whether it's wagering on a shipping line or on a, like, seems really irresponsible and that whole character trait was not delved into. Like, to me, buttoned up, I keep everything together and, uh, like, my buffoonish personality is a front is sort of undermined by I actually had enough money and risks that I could go under. There There are a lot of issues with the spy plot. And it's also inconsistent characterization, right? Right. Well, that's what I was getting to as well, which I took a long digression there. But yeah, so he's playing the town clown, but Harry is supposed to know that actually he's much more astute than than he's acting. Mm -hmm. But as Lane says, he doesn't consider other ways out of the problem other than, I guess I'm just going to marry her. (laughs) 
try to trick her into revealing her true motives before we get to the altar? It was very, he didn't, he didn't, for someone who was a spy and like was supposedly good at this stuff, he, he did not have a plan. Yeah, no. Um, so he, the plot twist, and this is revealed pretty early on, and I won't tell you who because he has a whole cohort of them, but the big bad is a betrayal by a spy friend. Right. The, the call is coming from inside the house. Yeah. That's of right. course. Because if there's somebody trying to kill a spy, it's always another spy. Yeah. Spy versus spy. But it, yep. and it's usually like friendly fire spy. Yep. Uh, she has a big crazy family. He also has a big crazy family. Her big crazy family is there. She has what? Five brothers and her. She's the youngest. So, of course, I, th- this is like the other one. I know how to shoot because I have brothers. Yep. Yeah, so she's the only girl in a gigantic pile of boys. Yes. And his crazy family is he's the only son. He's the only person in his generation. Actually, his parents' generation, there are no more. But he's got, like, he's got several great aunts. Oh, several of whom are refusing to speak with him until he gets married. And then others who are refusing to speak with him. Anyway, there are, lo- there are lots of family dramas. Yes. Um, Which but he is, I, as Matt mentioned. Yeah, kind of like. He's got these great aunts, but he is a sad, tragic orphan because his yes. parents died in a TM carriage accident. Yes. They, there is library slash study sex. Which we're never going to complain. No. And another thing we're never going to complain about, when she goes on um, her mission to expose and break up his ill-fated fiancé's situation, um, her friends give her a whole new wardrobe that is just the wrong side of Scandalous or just the right side of Scandalous. And that was very fun. Loved it. Like, all right, fine. I'm going to win my man back with an all-new wardrobe. Oh, I mean, th- there were there were scenes that I thought were so much fun. Like they go to the so she is she is uh, traveling with them as his fiance, his soon to be fiance's companion. Yeah. And they go to the opera, and she's wearing like the most scandalous gown. Of course, trope. She wears a cloak there the whole time, so no one sees what she's wearing until she gets to the opera. Yep. So they get there. And she takes off the cloak and everyone's like, oh, so this is the woman you're marrying? And he's like, no, 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 it's that one. The other one. But, of course, the aunts have decided she's marrying, he's marrying Harry from the very beginning. So they're, like, trying to force them together and not doing anything to dissuade the notion that it's not Miss Murray. The thing is, there are a lot of things that I, that I liked. I feel like there are, like, individual scenes. Yes. Yes. All right, any other tropes you want to mention before we move on? No. All right. I think this one just has my pet peeve, which is that he doesn't talk to her. And I guess this is now, this is a romance trope, I suppose. It's the I'm protecting her by not telling her the truth, which always leads to more issues. But I can just think of so many books, right? So many books where this happens. Well, and I think if it had been once he realized people trying to kill him were involved, trying to keep his loved ones out of it as a spy, is a choice that I actually could have been okay with in the text. We've seen 
good spies be shit boyfriends and like excuse it because the spying is important. But he makes the decision to start hiding things from her when it's just weird. My debts are being called in. He he doesn't when he has has been forced to marry, forced to get engaged to someone else. He doesn't even tell her that he's yeah. getting engaged to someone else. And I'm like, at least at least break up with her. Don't just ghost her. You know, yeah. like that's the thing. At least meet with her and be like, Harry. You know, if you're going to lie to her because you're protecting her, then lie to her because you're protecting her. Don't let her find out this all this shit. Yeah, then, he just like drops her like a hot potato as if yeah. not dealing with it as an answer. Right. So, I mean, yes, he's avoiding his his way to deal with conflict is avoidance, which is a way to deal with conflict. But in this case, I don't think the right choice. At least not a very fun one to read. No, I was also just really, I was just also just frustrated because again, my pet peeve is just talk to each other and they, they, he didn't, he didn't even talk to her ever, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't for her safety as an agent of the crown. Right. Which still sometimes annoys me, but at least when executed properly, it's justifiable. It right. was just that he was too much of a coward to tell her he fucked up. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so I, I think my biggest issue with, with the book was the, the romance. <laughs> yeah. Because other parts, other individual elements, I really enjoyed. So they, his family has this thing that they call the mustering. Where he's got to take his prospective bride to visit all the members of the family, which in his case are all of his great aunts who all live on different estates. Yes. So he's got to take his prospective bride to all the different places, which again, which kind of makes it a, could have made it a romance, a road trip romance, but it, it, but it's not, it's never depicted except when there's a kidnapping. Yeah. But they go to, like, they go to Bath, and then they go to his estate. They have to go to all these different places. And it is very funny. It's like those, that part is really funny because his, his aunts are making the choice. So ostensibly, he's presenting Miss Murray to that. So I totally agree. The mustering was hilarious. The scenes with all the aunts. One of the aunts can't ever leave her house because of the terms of a bet. And it was so funny. I really enjoyed her relationship with his three aunts. Yes. Like, the setup of his family was hilarious. And some of the scenes flashing back to her childhood were really funny. There, there, were, there was a lot. There was a lot that's very appealing here. It was just the, the way the romance played out and then the fact that the plot was so convoluted and weird. I think those were the two issues that, that I had. Yeah. This also suffered from short book with way too many character syndrome. Yes, this is a short book. It's what, like 18 chapters? Yeah, and combine that with many of the main characters from previous series have a really similar names. Yes. And the combination of all those factors. So this book has them, their families, her brother, his cohort at the home office, then the flashback to the people who were in the gambling match that all this is surrounding people from the high society who they associate with and like yes. went into it balls and then the villains yeah and that troop of people and how they came to be like it is very it's a lot of people 
all of whom end up kind of being underdeveloped because there's just too many. Well, and, you know, there were, if you haven't read the first two books in the series, too, I think you're going to be really behindhand. Um, There's this, it was, it was confusing to me. And I was like, oh, wait, it's this person, Lady Kipps, who who used to be Miss whatever in the previous book. Yes, Miss Nash. And I was like, oh, yeah, Miss Nash, I kind of remember her. But like, if you haven't read the other book, you're not going to have any idea. No. Um, so, but yeah, I, I, it was just, it was a tougher read. Um, and like I said, I think a lot of people were underdeveloped. Like Harriet has no personality except being one of the boys as a sister and resting after Roxley. Right. Like that's been her whole world. Roxley is apparently a spy. Who wants to take out care of his family but has a gambling problem? Right. There's just not much to work with there. Yeah. And their relationship, as it's depicted in the book, is pretty much tear close off and then nothing. And then we're not talking. And then we don't talk. Yeah. When we're not, and it's hilarious, too, because some of this would have been funny if executed differently. But she's like, does he love me? Does he love me? Or has he gotten over me? Or has this just been too much? And he's, like, secure in the knowledge that they love each other, but the circumstances just mean they can't be together. Yeah. And it, it was it was just really frustrating to read. Yeah. The differing perspectives. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on, I think, to content warnings and sexiness, and then we'll get around to the spoiler tag. Yep. So is there any any content warnings, anything people need to be aware of before going into the book? Three things off the top of my head. One, she's got a suitor who gets really pushy. Yes. And basically uses terminology like, now that you've been going out with me, you owe me. Right. And he means marriage, but he is trying to force himself on her and without her consent publicly so he can ruin her. And it's, it's all pretty gross. Yeah. Um, it's And it's sort of... Played for laughs is the wrong word, but played for, like, high drama. Yeah, it's it's definitely not played for laughs. I don't think you're supposed to think that it's funny. Um, and you, I don't think you're... You're also not supposed to feel that she's actually in danger. Yes. So, you know, you're not thinking, oh, my God, she's actually going to get raped or assaulted. 100%. But it is non-consensual, weird language that... Honestly, that scene also didn't fit the tone of the rest of the book, and I sort of didn't get why it needed to be there. Like, why you needed her with this pushy uh, external suitor when you've already got a spy thievery gambling plot going down. Right, right. Like, you don't need the caddy. And also, the person behind that was a woman, so it's like a whole caddy thing. Yeah. Like, you don't need it. You're right. There are lots of references to madness, as in insanity in this book yeah I don't think it's played unsympathetically however I also don't think it's played very realistically also one of the characters who is depicted as mad there's just like basically a throwaway line about a sexual assault Mm -hmm. and that sexual assault leading to permanent mental deterioration 
yeah, permanent like split in her personality. Mm -hmm. And it's why in the world you just have a throwaway. Oh yeah, she was horrifically violated by a man. Right. Oh my god. It was. I said out loud when I realized what was going on. What the fuck to myself? I was, I was like, not what happy about it? Yeah, not happy about it. And then the final thing, the final content warning. This is actually, I, I don't think people are going to be offended by this. I just am finding it a little tiresome. Is the constant references to like true nobility through birth versus, oh, she's not, she's not truly noble because she's a mushroom. She's a sit. She made her money. Her father made his money through, you know, being a captain of industry, but she can't really compare to these impoverished noble families, that kind of thing. I do think that results in a lot of women being pitted against each other in mm. this book, which is just a trope I don't enjoy. Right. Period. Like, I mean, we all know I can love a good villain in society a la Cressida. But in this case, it was a lot of new money making fun of poor aristocrats and poor aristocrats basically doing that you can't buy class. Yes, exactly. And it was just, once again, this is like an adventure spy murder book. You don't, you don't need class conflict, like petty class conflict in here. Because it's, you know? it's, it's all people who are part of the uh, ton. Right. It's not like true exploration of economic inequality. Exactly. It's just posh white women bickering about who's the superior kind of rich white woman. Right. Or noble white woman. It, it, it just doesn't read super great. Yeah. We're not talking about like a Courtney Milan. Let's take a, an actual look at income inequality. We're not even looking at an Elizabeth Hoyt. Oh, this guy crawled his way out of the gutter and now he needs to learn manners to get in with society. Well, that's not, not that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about people who are both accepted in high society, looking down their noses at each other. Yep. Because they have to be the best ones, including your sympathetic main characters. Yes. And their relatives. Okay, all of that said, sexy. How sexy was this book? I like Elizabeth Boyle's writing of sex. Like, I really enjoy reading her sex scenes. She writes in ways that are fun and lighthearted, but graphic and expositor. I don't know, I generally like them. The problems with the plot really bled into the sex scenes for me in this one. That's that's exactly what I said. I'm like, she knows oh. how to write sex. Mm -hmm. Right? Her sex scenes are great. That said, to, like, to, so at the beginning of the book, I talked about the structure. The two of the steamiest scenes in this book happen in flashback, in retrospect. Yeah. They don't happen in real time. So mm -hmm. you're kind of like, okay, this, anyway. They were sexy, but they didn't, they seemed to be out of place where they were in the book well and i don't know reading a sex scene when you know, already know he ghosted her after it exactly like it makes it less sexy yep 
That said, I will say I want do want to point out something I was that I liked a lot is that in her in the virginity scene when she loses her virginity, there was nothing. There was not any mention of like it being painful at all. There also isn't any mention of the fact that she was a virgin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know that she's inexperienced based on knowing her from previous books and that this is her first season or like all that stuff, but. It, it really isn't mentioned. They've been into each other forever, and they're finally having sex. Neither of their sexual history is relevant. Yep. I I think for me, a lot of times you read a historical romance, and there's all this like, oh, there's this sharp pain, and there was this, and there was that, and I was like, you know. Yeah, but I'm also annoyed by the male perspective of I've only had sex with experienced women. Yes. I've never been with a virgin. What, exactly. Like, there's just none of that from either perspective. None of that from either of them. The only time that they ever refer to anything, and I thought it was hilarious, was she gives him a blowjob, and he's like, where, he's like, where did you learn that? And she's like, well, in your aunt's library, I did look on the top shelf. <laughs> and and I was it was like, a funny callback, because he was thinking about how if he knew she'd read that top library, it would have ruined his life in that moment, because he couldn't think of her that way. So it was, it was a really cute callback. I, I thought it was, it was, it was funny. It was funny. It was cute. It was sexy. The whole thing, everything about it was great. Yep. So spoiler tags from here on out, but this book was written in 2013. So we are not going to pause for as long as we did with last week's episode of Devil in Disguise. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, now's your chance. Turn it off. Okay. So <sighs> he apparently was the son of inveterate gamblers, as we've discussed. And the night, they left him to go gamble in Europe for reasons. And apparently that night, his parents won a fuck ton of diamonds. Yes, Marie Antoinette's diamonds. Half half of the necklace? I don't know why they won half, but anyway. Unclear. Um, so then the one of the witnesses to these winnings Followed them back to England and only upon reaching England murdered them. Yep. But couldn't find the diamonds. Then this person went on to become basically the chief of all spies for Britain. Yep. So he waits like 25 years. Yep. Turns out the other gamblers present there that night have spent their time getting close to his family to protect them in case something ever happens. <laughs> and then the, the, the time periods in this book are so confusing. Sorry. So like, and why would you wait? After ruining her in a garden, Roxley waits four months of not talking to her to ruin her in a garden again. Yep. Then decides he's going to marry her, but doesn't tell her. On the way home to, like, start planning up the marriage special license, he runs into his boss, who's a spy, and is like, oh, my God, I'm getting married, and tells him about it. And then, apparently, so fast that he doesn't even have time to get the special license, his world starts falling around around him. Now, why him expressing intent to marry would be the reason his boss finally decides to start blackmailing him for the diamonds? Unclear. No, it's because his boss was going to get him to marry this other girl the whole time. And so now he's going to marry someone else. And he's like, no, 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 no. You can't marry her because you got to no. marry my girl. Sorry. So his trusted so boss, who would have had access to his house, mind you, the boss also knows 
that Roxley has never had any knowledge of the diamonds and, in fact, does not believe the story and doesn't think it's real. It's like the longest. It's not even a revenge plot, but it's like the longest, most convoluted plot. He, he, like, literally, he, he, the, the boss, um, chooses to mentor Roxley as a spy because he wants to get close to the diamonds. He also has been grooming another young woman to become his, to marry Roxley eventually. He also hired a bunch of Roxley's friends to be spies because. This plot makes no fucking sense, man. It makes no sense. That, like, it made so little sense. I was like, hell yeah, I'm along for the ride. Like, it, why the people behave the way they behave is so inexplicable that I stopped caring. Especially when all the old gamblers from the poker game were dating his old aunts yeah. to stay close to them. Yep. Yep. But, and like, they were dating them to, like, to, they were like, okay, we're getting close to your aunts to protect them. But then we did kind of fall for them. All of them. And luckily, we were the same number. Right. <laughs> also, why were all of these Englishmen exclusively in Europe to play poker at a ship dock? I don't know what the hell this book was about. So, like, maybe, maybe if this book was in, like, a five-year time span. You know, like, Roxley was 20 when his parents died. And then the spy master recruited him into the home office business. Like, then, maybe it would have made a smidgen more sense. But, like, you don't know what motivates the evil mentor. Nope. You have no idea. You don't know why Roxley became a spy. Nope. You don't know why Harriet's brother became a spy and why Harriet has been spy adjacent. Like, I'm so, I just feel like there has to have been a better way to find these. Now, the, the mentor knows the diamonds exist. Right. But he does not know they ended up with Roxley. Nope. He just knows they weren't in the carriage with the parents. When, by the way, it wasn't a fucking carriage accident. He shot them. Yep. Why he waited to get back to England when they were on the same fucking boat? Yeah, like, dump them over the side. I don't know. But, like, none of this makes any goddamn sense. None of it does. I mean, it is, you're right. It is, like, fun in that, like, what the fuck did I just read kind of way. Also, his mom apparently, because this is just full spoiler town, put all of the diamonds inside a ceramic figurine. Yep. And no one noticed that it, like, Made noises when one picked it up? Well, all the aunts knew. But they weren't telling anyone. Yep. Because they didn't open the pug. No, they didn't open because they wanted to keep it safe for Roxley. But they just like, are you going to tell him? They were pretty, they were just hopeful. Wait, why didn't they tell him ever? Like, I know he didn't, like, disclose his debt, but didn't, wouldn't you think, like, upon turning 18, he gets handed this pug that we think has diamonds in it, but we aren't sure? Lane, the, this, the book, it, none of it makes sense. It, it just doesn't. I'm usually, I, I can be a, along for some, like, you don't have to explain the magic of why it works to me. I'm fine with yeah. it. Do not give me a spy plot that is, like, this, what the fuck. If you want me to actually, like, respect it as a story. The the whole thing is 
you definitely like what in the world you're right there's there's so many moving parts to this book and a lot of them don't make they don't make enough sense and I like honestly okay so author's note I know you don't read them her author's note was this the whole story about the necklace actually happened so this necklace was created and then it was stolen before it could be given to the queen basically cool and she was like, when I read about that, I knew I had to incorporate it into a story. Again, that's cool. But I think she had to work way too hard to make this one historical fact fit into the story. This is a like not only a regency, like a late regency, you know, like there's there's no regency anymore. And, you know, Marie Antoinette died in whenever in the 1700s, not in the 1800s. Right. You know. So, well, she, Marie Antoinette was alive when his parents were murdered 20 fucking years ago. Correct. That, and that's what I'm talking about is like to make this fit, it had yeah. to, she had to really, that's why the plot was so stretched out. That's why he had yeah. to wait 25 years to get it to find the fucking diamonds. <laughs> also, like, I'm sorry, but this mastermind spy is counting on Roxley not just finding the diamonds. Mm-hmm. Roxley not getting married and not telling him. Like, Roxley taking a bunch of bad gambling debts. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just so much. There had to have been an easier way. But, I mean, there was There was a much easier way. If this guy's willing to kill, there's a much the easier way. are apparently very easy to seduce. <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness. Anyway. In my opinion, a rare miss from Elizabeth Boyle. I usually really love her, and I was confused by the plot and uh, and disappointed in the relationship. I think this needed to go like full sinister. <laughs> yes, you're not going to do the mystery. It. I need road trip. They're fucking in inns. Like they've never been apart. They've been having weird scandalous sex the whole time. But like, I, I needed to go full. This doesn't need to make sense. They've been. In a secret relate a secret engagement, so they have a secret engagement while he's courting the other girl, and so like he'll court the other girl, and then they'll be like they'll sneak off to his bedroom. Like they're in the box at some point. Having finger in the opera box, I don't know. Like go full nutso. Like that's the only the only way I could have. If you want to put this little effort into this fly pot. Spy plot. The only way that would have worked for me is you just like lean into he's the worst spy in the world. This makes no sense sex full you you had to go full bonkers and this was like this went almost full bonkers but not quite it felt just just shy of full bonkers and that was the mistake i think yes i feel like we're we're verging on like tropic thunder territory here but yeah i agree it had to go full bonkers i'm liking this series a ton yes fun to finally see harry and roxley get together so I don't recommend skipping it. No. No, you don't have to skip it. But don't expect something that's, I think, quite at the level of the first two books. But Meg has let me know the series rebounds. So you can look Absolutely. forward to our future reviews of the Rhymes with Love series. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can check us out on Instagram and Goodreads at Potris. 